Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com.
search the world But it wouldn't fill me Man's empty praise And treasures that fade Are never enough Then you came along And put me back together Every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better. Show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Because the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. If there's not a place, your mercy. Sing that out. Better than you, there's nothing. A little louder. Better than you, Lord, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Seas in the highways 
Have you ever heard of, of this term that we're going to put up here right now, the dichotomy paradox? Maybe a new thing to you. It actually comes out of the school of Plato. Just to be clear, it's not the Plato that we played with and you turn the thing and it comes, the hair comes out of the guy's head. Not that Plato. Different Plato. Plato from ancient Greece. And in the school of Plato, there were students there that were given the responsibility, given the homework of coming up with a way to view something that we already view, but view it from a completely different way. But the idea was to come up with the most ridiculous, the most absurd way to view something, so that if you can find the most absurd way to view something, it proves that the way that we're already viewing it is the better way to view it. The next time you think that you are given a work assignment or a homework assignment that is a waste of time, consider what these students were doing in Greece, okay? Coming up with something that was a way to view something to prove that the way we're already viewing it is the best way to view it. And the dichotomy paradox came out of that homework assignment. And it basically said this, and you may have heard something like this before in some fashion, but it was the idea that if you're trying to get from point A to point B, that whenever you're trying to get from point A to point B, there is always a halfway between where you are and where you're going. And so it's all about trying to figure out how to get to the halfway point before you can ever start to think about getting to the full point. But if you can find a halfway point between where, you're go where you are and where you're going, that halfway point also has a halfway point. And so you need to think about the halfway point before you get to the halfway point. But if you find that halfway point, it means there's another halfway point that you've got to be able to get to before you can get to the original halfway point, before the halfway point, before the point that you're trying to get to. And that means that there's a halfway point between that halfway point. And that you can always find a halfway point between where you are and where you're trying to get. And the conclusion that came out of this entire mode of thinking and this dichotomy paradox was that because you can never actually arrive, it's hardly worth moving in the first place. And that's what makes it a paradox. And that whole thing is called logic, we're told. It seems completely illogical, seems like a waste of time to come up with that idea. And yet as I thought about that this week, it struck me that we have an equally ridiculous paradox when it comes to what we have and what we want. Follow this logic with me and let's call this the more paradox, okay? When I was younger, and I mean living in my parents' house, so we're talking middle school, high school age, somewhere in there, there were nights when I would stay up at night and I would wonder if I would ever have what my parents had. If there would ever come a time in my life when I would actually have a family, if there would come a time when I would have a home, a house, a car, if there would come a time when I would have a job, have a career, 
have a bank account, have credit cards, have whatever it is that I had in my little mind that, that kind of defined what being grown up means. Would there be a time in my life when I would actually achieve those things and really feel and prove to myself and to others that I'm grown up? I wasn't sure that I would ever have those things. But once I had them, all I could think about was more. Once I had them, I immediately started to think through what more of what I have would look like. And the more that I was thinking of wasn't just a little bit more. In many cases, it was like twice as much more as what I already had. For instance, maybe you get to this place where you wondered if you would ever have a job, and you have a job. But the moment that you have that job, you start thinking about whether you could have that job. Or or the moment that you have money, and really the money that you have is certainly enough to satisfy that teenager that thought about it all those years ago, but the moment that you have that money, you immediately start to wonder if you could have more. And the moment that you have a house that you love, if you watch enough HGTV, you will immediately want more. And the moment that you have a car, it's fine for you until you see what the neighbor just drove into his driveway. And suddenly you want more. And the moment that we have whatever it is that we didn't think we would ever have is the moment that we already start to think about the more. And from way over here, we thought we were only going this little bit, and no matter where we get to, we can always think of more that we could have. But if experience has taught us anything, it's that whatever more is, more will never be enough. And whenever we arrive at more, we will immediately start to think about what even more could look like. And so in in the same way that the dichotomy paradox can convince you to never move, the more paradox can convince you that you've never arrived. Because we can get and we can acquire and we can achieve. And most of us have lived long enough to recognize now that whenever it is that we've achieved the thing that we thought was going to bring us joy and we thought was gonna be a finish line, there is something in us that's never really satisfied. And we never really experience that joy and that ongoing happiness that we thought would be there because the moment that we get there, we start looking again for more. But there is an alternative. There is an alternative to this quest that is stirring inside of us for more. And the alternative shows up in the very first multi-generational story that happens in the Bible. It's a story that takes really all of Genesis to tell, but it's a story that starts with a man named Abram. And this man named Abram, whom God would later name Abraham, had already achieved wealth, and he'd already achieved success, and he already had all the things that the world said you were supposed to have to be a successful person. Abraham lived in in the little town of Ur, And he was married to a woman that he dearly, dearly loved. And he had possessions and he had a house and he had a hometown. 
As far as the world was concerned, at 75 years old, Abraham had arrived. And then he heard this from God in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see what God is offering to Abram. He is offering him more, more than what he knows, more than what he's already achieved, more than what he has already uh, accumulated, even more than Abram could possibly even begin to imagine. And some of the things that God would go on to give specifics to that he was promising to Abram was that he would actually have descendants and have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren and that his tree would go so far that it would number more than the, the grains of sand on the seashore or the stars in the sky if all the other lights were out. At 75 years old, when Abram was given that promise and he was still yet to have his first child, and the love of his wife, or his life, his wife was just 10 years behind him, this promise that God was making to Abraham seemed kind of impossible. But see, God's definition of more for Abram was larger than he could ever begin to even think about. It was a more that God could see but Abram couldn't. You see, God's view of more is always beyond our view. Always beyond our view. God has blessed us as a church here at First Christian in significant ways. And, and there's a lot for us to talk about in that statement, but I'll talk about what I know. I've been here for 14 years. And in those 14 years, I have seen baptisms happen by the hundreds during that time. And during the time that I've been here, I have seen marriages healed. And I have seen families that have been blown apart by all kinds of different things that have been reunited. During my time here, I have had the privilege of witnessing two impossible days of giving and commitments of real money, of real possessions towards building campaigns that were numbers and dollar signs that we could never have even thought about. I've seen this church move from a home that they had known for 50 years and move from that home into a temporary facility that was actually older than the place we were leaving. And we were going to move into that space and while we were there, we were going to share that space with other groups. It was not my favorite time in our story. 
but God provided. And I've watched this church move to this new location and this new facility. And I've watched families that we had never known before at First Christian Church become part of the family here at First Christian Church. And there's parts of that story that, that are always remarkable to me that we don't maybe talk about enough. But one of those is that as we moved here eight years ago, in just a matter of a few months, the average age of our church, okay, so the average age of the people who went to First Christian, it dropped by more than a decade when we moved in here. Because of all the young families and all the young people who started to investigate Jesus through the ministry that was here. And during my time here, there have been concerts that have happened and we've had special guest speakers that have come in. We've had television personalities be among us and we've had special events that have taken place where hundreds of brand new faces walk through the door. During that time, we've had donation drives that have happened in all kinds of different ways, but on a couple of different occasions, there was so much being given, we had to bring in tractor trailers just to fill up with all the things that people were giving that were then going to be dispersed to different parts of our country and even different parts of our world. Now, can I tell you how many of those more moments I saw coming 14 years ago? Zero. Because God's view of more is beyond our view. In fact, there are so many parts of the the story of First Christian that, that I've had the privilege to be a part of that don't make a lot of sense. In fact, there were plenty of moments within that story that, um, were open for criticism. And I know they were open for criticism because people criticized. But that makes sense. Because when you're on God's path and you're on God's plan, God's view of more is beyond our view. When you go back to the story of Abram, there's so many incredible lessons for us to learn about his trust and his faith in God and his obedience to God when you read through the story that unfolds in the book of Genesis. God asked him to leave what was known. God asked him to leave what was comfortable. God asked him to leave what at 75 years old seemed like the logical place that Abraham was just gonna kinda hunker down and live out the rest of his days. And God asked him to leave for something he couldn't see. And God didn't even give him the coordinates of where he was going. God didn't give him the address that he could punch into his Maps app on his phone so he could know exactly what direction to go, so that he could know what the traffic patterns were going to be on his way there, because that's how we like to move. We're willing to go somewhere, we're willing to participate in something that somebody else is leading, as long as they'll give us enough information where we're comfortable to move. We're even tired of people giving us, you know, the the, the lefts and right turns and the landmarks to look for. Just give me the address. I'll punch it into my phone and I'll get there. We like to know the path. 
We, we like to know the different ways that we can go. We like to know the traffic patterns that we can try and avoid. We like to know the weather on the way. One of our favorite things to know is the, the ETA and the amount of time that it's going to take you to get from where you are to where you're going because every single one of us secretly play this game that we don't tell anybody else about because we are trying to beat that number that's on our phone. We want to arrive faster than what the phone says we can arrive. But what God said to Abram was essentially, you can leave your phone back at Ur because there's absolutely nothing that you're going to need to look up. And I'll let you know when we're go- where we're going when we get there. And that is extremely uncomfortable for us to hear. That's a difficult step for us to even consider taking, which is what makes the very next verse of Genesis chapter 12 maybe the most inspiring verse that we read, even though we just kind of gloss over it. It says this, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. God's view of more is beyond our view. And God's view of more was beyond Abram's view. But Abram knew that God's view of more was not just something to hear about. He knew that God's view of more was not just something to kind of observe and to notice. God's view of more expects more participation. Abraham was going to have to get involved. He was going to have to take steps. He was going to have to participate in more ways than just hearing about what was out there and noticing, observing observing that God was talking to him. God was building a people. God was building a nation. God was building a kingdom. And he was building it through Abram, whom God would call Abraham, even though he couldn't logically explain it yet to Abraham. There was no way while Abram is sitting in Ur, surrounded by the comforts of life and everything that the world has told him he needed to have, that God could say, I I need you to move because we're going to build a kingdom through you at 75 years old. I, I can't come up with the right words that God could have possibly used to explain to Abraham that he was building the nation of Israel through him. That a nation that would be talked about for thousands of years forward, that would go all the way forward to 2021 AD and still be talked about in media outlets that Abraham knew nothing about, that, that the nation of Israel would still be talked about because of Abraham. What God had in store through Abraham was completely blurry and completely unclear. But regardless of how clear the picture of the end was for Abraham, he was going to take steps that God was calling him to take. And as he took those steps, he wasn't going to complain. He wasn't going to criticize. He wasn't going to troubleshoot from the back seat and say, no, I, I think I've got a better way to do what you're doing there, God. Let's, let's talk about this. 
Now, when you're involved in God's view of more, you lean into more and you participate more. And the outcome is a story to tell. See, the Hebrew writer talked about Abraham thousands of years later, thousands of years after this moment that we read about in Genesis chapter 12. And all the way over in the New Testament, this is the memory that people still have of what Abraham did. It says this, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him. And here's what the specifics look like. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land, God promised him he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. So did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. When Abraham got to the place that God wanted him to go, he didn't get to move into the palace, he didn't get to become the king, he didn't get to become the president, he moved into tents. And so did the generations that followed him. Now it would be a lot easier for us to find Abram's story even more compelling and more convincing if it turned out like the movies. If Abraham got into the path of God and he followed the plan of God and he took the steps that God was asking him to take and from that moment on, everything worked out perfectly for Abraham. If from that moment forward, it was all golden. But it wasn't. In fact, if you want to go back and, and read through the story of Abraham that unfolds from Genesis chapter 12 forward, what you'll find is a long story. And what you'll find is a story that has highs and lows and ups and downs. It's a story that at times seems to stall on God's view of more. Usually it stalls because Abraham does something that's outside of God's plan. But then there are other moments when it just turns into this rocket ride for Abraham. But even in the stall moments, God provided. And God got him moving on his path again. And God got him in step with participating in God's view of more, even when more wasn't always clear. Same thing has happened around here at First Christian. FCC has some history. And if you don't know this, um, we have been in this community for 144 years. That's a history that goes all the way back to a living room where people were sitting on couches and chairs, gathering together to participate in a Bible study as a church. And it's a history that moves forward through different locations, different buildings, and different leaders. But one God, one God who has been leading us towards more all the time. One God who could see this moment that we're in right now, November the 7th, 2021, time change Sunday that half of you forgot. 
And God can, was seeing this moment all the way back in a living room in 1877. And, and get this, going all the way back to the school of Plato, God sees this moment that we're in right now as only halfway towards the more that he wants to do through us. Maybe even a quarter of the way through the more that he wants to do through us. He has so much more in view for us to do that can be, do, can be done for us and be done through us here at First Christian Church. Only part way through the view of what God wants to do. But when we go back to our view of more, and we start thinking about what we want as more, whether it's very individualistic or very quickly turns from individual to just being plain old selfish, we've learned, most of us, through time, that every time we chase after our version of more, we may find happiness for just a little while, but then we are dissatisfied and we go searching for more again. But what if more is really about more that we can do? The more that we get to participate. What if more is really more about the more blessing that is still to come? That there are some of us who are in this room right now who um, have had their lives changed, had their lives turned upside down by the good news of Jesus Christ, and it happened through something that you experienced through First Christian Church, maybe in a worship service, maybe in an online service, maybe in some teaching or experience that you had in Kid Town or something that you experienced in Elevate with our student ministry. I know that there are many of you who are here who found your way to church and found your way to Jesus through the relationships and the community that you had in a life group before you ever came into a worship service in the first place. Some of you were baptized in the baptistry at the church over in Mulberry. Some of you made your decision to follow Jesus and turn your life over to him in that little two and a half year span that we were in our temporary facilities on Poplar. Some of you were baptized right here in, in this baptistry like one that we saw this morning. There's even some of us who are here who were baptized in a baptistry that was in our first building over on Dixie and Helm. And without offending any of the past or tarnishing those amazing stories and how those amazing stories kind of weave through you, can I tell you that I believe that God has even more blessing that he wants to pour out on and that he wants to pour through First Christian Church right here in this community and around the world. We have a beautiful and wonderful and exciting history and stories that are filled with ups and downs and clear victories and moments when critics spoke up. But all along the way, God has had a view of more. And he has more to, more to come something beyond where we are right now, something that's beyond where we have ever been before. 
One last thought about God's view of more. Abraham is such an amazing story to dive into about his obedience and about his trust and his faith in God to lead him towards the more that he couldn't see. And it's amazing to see Abraham come out of this place where he already had the world figured out and he had already kind of figured out how to exist within the world and had things going his way and he was willing to leave that to go to the more that God was providing. But there's a a similar and yet very different story that shows up in the New Testament. Shows up in Mark chapter 12 and it's a story that is really about an Abraham-like woman, though I'm pretty sure she would never define herself that way. Here's the story we read. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. Now this is not a story that Jesus told because he was trying to get everybody to empty their wallets into the offering plate. He was telling this story as a tribute to this woman's faithfulness and, and her obedience and her trust in God and her trust in God's view of more. His view is not something that we can always see. His view is something that expects participation from us. But it's not just toe-in-the-water participation. It's not just ankle-deep participation. What we learn through this woman, what Jesus recognized in this woman is that God's view of more requires all in thinking. The spotlight that got placed on this widow in Mark chapter 12 was not placed on her so that we could copy her kind of giving techniques. This was Jesus observing her trust in God. She was giving everything that she had left. And she didn't know how tomorrow was going to work. And she didn't know if tomorrow was going to work. But she was all in. She was all in on God's view of more. And she was trusting what she couldn't see. And she was participating in what other people would probably criticize. If anybody else knew her story, if anybody else knew what she was doing when she was giving those last two bits of copper into the offering, everything that she had to her name, they wouldn't have understood. Some of you have those same stories. Some of you have those moments where you went all in with God, where you trusted him where you were obedient to him in ways that people didn't understand. And maybe some people criticized. There have been decisions that you have made that were not part of the logical world. 
and you also have these little unnoticed moments that followed. Things that happened when you trusted God, when you weren't sure about tomorrow. You weren't sure how tomorrow was gonna work. You weren't sure if tomorrow would work. But somehow tomorrow came off just fine. God has plans beyond who we are right now. There are stories that are yet to be lived. There are memories that are yet to be recorded. And God's calling for more life change. And God is calling for more families to be healed. And God is calling for more baptisms and more ministries and more and more and more and more beyond who we are right now, beyond where we have ever been, beyond what we are doing right now. God is calling us to move towards his more even when his more is blurry and unclear. Because his more is just beyond where we are right now. See, maybe you're here this morning and you've been listening to stories about Jesus and you've been kind of investigating this whole Jesus thing, maybe only Sunday to Sunday. But God is calling you to more than just hearing the story. God is calling you to say yes to his forgiveness and grace that he offers you, to the leadership that he has for your life. And it will not always be all up and to the right. He never promised that, but he promised to be with us every step of the way. And maybe more for you this morning is saying yes to Jesus instead of just hearing about him. Or maybe you're here and you've been coming for a while and you've just been kind of trying to lay low and kind of fade into the woodwork and it's time to stop just consuming but participate. To take steps into the more that God wants to do through us and through you. And you need to say yes to being part of this family, part of this church, participating in a a form of service around here to do more for God's view of more that we can't clearly see. Or maybe for you, as we're kind of going through this month, it's one of those moments where we've talked about giving a lot and we've talked about money a lot and we've talked about tithing along the way and there have been times where you felt convicted about that and you've, you've felt it in this room and you felt it in this moment, but you knew that if you just waited long enough, you, the, the, the feeling would subside and you wouldn't have to give and you wouldn't have to do more. This isn't about what you have to do. This is about getting to participate in God's view of more that is beyond our view. God's view of more that that, that expects us to participate. God's view of more that requires us to be all in. But here's the great thing about God's view of more. God's more is just beyond where you are right now. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the opportunity that you give us to make decisions for you all the time. 
And God, I thank you for the blessings that you have poured out on us and, and how you have made that clear over and over and over again that you are still at work, that you are still alive and well, that your word still speaks into our life and impacts us right here and right now. And God, would you help us to participate in your more, even when it's unclear to us, even when it's going to require more from us, even when there is more expected of us. May we find joy in realizing that your more is just beyond where we are right now. We thank you for Jesus who makes all of this possible, all of these steps possible, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you'd stand with me this morning, and maybe there is a decision that you need to make. Maybe today needs to be a day that you say yes to Jesus. Maybe today needs to be a day that you come and join up in this family of faith and be part of this community, this church. If you have a decision to make to say yes to Jesus, to be baptized in his name, to know his forgiveness and his grace even today, we have folks who will be here to help you with that, folks who will be here to answer questions that you have or, or talk with you about that. And maybe it's something you just have some questions and you just want to deal with some of those questions. We invite you to come during this time. Or maybe you want to be a part of this church. We invite you to make that decision as well. But we invite you right down these aisles as the rest of us join together right now in worship and praise and celebration to our God and our King. Let's sing together for the more that he has in store for us. This is a house of worship. This is a place of praise.